1: The Equipping You and Grace Podcast. My name is Dave, and I'm the host for this podcast. And with me today, I have Tim Patrick. Tim, welcome to the Equipping You and Grace Podcast. G'day, Dave. Thank you so much for having me on. Yeah, it's it's uh, been wonderful just to get to chat with you a little bit beforehand. Uh, I always enjoy that. So so thanks for that. Can you just tell us a little bit about your life, marriage, ministry, and what are you working on ministry project wise these days?
0: Yeah, sure thing, sure thing. So life, uh, I was born into a great family, uh, but not a family of believers, uh, and I. Came came to Christ through uh, great ministries uh, in my primary school or uh, elementary school uh, and then through university ministry when I was uh, on campus as an undergraduate. Uh, now I'm married to Katrina. Uh, we have three kids uh, and my work is as principal of uh, the Bible College of South Australia. I, before that, I served as a pastor for uh, many years as well. Uh, I guess when I think about ministry projects, the main project outside the family uh, really is, is through the college here. Uh, Uh, and that is to build up the church under God across this city of Adelaide that I'm based in, uh, and our way of doing that is by contributing to the formation of future leaders, um, and uh, God willing, seeing them go on to serve. So really, the ripple effects of the college's uh, ministry here. Um, I've got a couple of other projects that I'm doing that are more uh, specific. I'm working on a book uh, looking at what I call gospel theology and its relation to uh, other areas of Christian theology, uh, and also doing some work on on gender and marriage and ministry which is obviously... Quite topical at the moment, and uh, hopefully I will have another little thing to say in there that might be useful.
1: Well, that sounds uh, that sounds really uh, good, and uh, those are very important subjects to to hit on. So thank you for your work. Can you uh, just tell us a little bit about this book that you wrote with Andrew Reed, The Whole Council of God: Why and How to Preach the Bible? Uh, why you guys wrote it, and how do you hope it'll be received?
0: Yeah, sure, sure. Well, we wrote it, it. It's a it's a book that is a preaching book, so it falls in that category of preaching book. But importantly, it's it's not a book about how to preach. There's lots of good books out there on how to preach. We wrote this because we thought there was a real need for a book about what to preach. Uh, And what what our big argument is in this is we're trying to convince people they should aim to preach whole Bible. That is cover to cover, every chapter, every verse of every book of the Bible. That obviously is a big task. And the first thing that lots of people will um, feel as they hear that or read that is, you know, you've got to be joking book. A significant part of this book is really about practice and pastoral suggestions for how you can tackle it. Uh, so we, we really wrote it because th- there's nothing quite like this out there at the moment. You, you can't find a lot written on how to preach series of sermons or how to preach through books of the Bible. Uh, most of what you learn even in, in seminaries and colleges is how to preach a sermon one sermon, um, or a process for preparing a sermon, but not preaching through the text of Scripture in, in series, extended series of sermons. Now, just to go on with that a bit more, uh, underlying all of this is really just the simple conviction that the whole Bible is the Word of God, and that God will be more fully honoured when His people hear and respond to everything He has to say to them, and uh, will be more blessed as we sit under the whole counsel of God. So, um, that's really it in a, in a nutshell, I guess. Uh, calling people to preach the whole Bible uh, because we think it's all the Word of God and hopefully giving some direction on how on earth you could tackle that task
1: yeah that, that's really good um and, and you got and you do say that in the book uh it, it hit me as I was reading probably Saturday or Sunday I was driving around and I was thinking about this interview and and the book and and I had just finished it and I was I was thinking I think that the the central thing that you're trying to do in the book is is to help Uh, the growing problem of biblical illiteracy and to help people Mm. to become biblically literate
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's right, and I, I think um, I'm not sure what the situation is like in the U.S., but of course, in even within a single country, there's lots of different experiences and different things going on in different churches. But I think it's true that broadly speaking, even in the evangelical world, where we hold up the authority of Scripture and Scripture as our our rule and our norm, there is still a relatively large amount of biblical ignorance. Uh, we we have people who vast swathes of the Scripture, they just don't know they remain completely closed and I think well whose job is it or who's been entrusted with the work of helping people know the whole Bible well under God it's probably the, the people who are commissioned to preach to them
1: yeah absolutely absolutely and and the situation in the united states is um in, in regards to biblical illiteracy is uh it's alarming it's shocking right. it's like you guys just have that wildfire I, I i equate it to a wildfire it it's it's damaging it's the, the, a lot of the things that are happening are because of biblical illiteracy and and i could say that probably that that's true not only for the united states but australia for europe for you know um the the church worldwide and and i agree <laughs> with you I- I think not all the blame goes to the pastors of course and some of it goes to to people as well in our churches but but we have to help people learn uh why expository preaching is so important and there are resources out there that i think do a good job but i i do think that that i do believe that um that wildfire can stop and we can stop it the bible tells us how it gives us that prescription to, to solve that yeah yeah
0: yeah 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 that's right and and i agree of course uh i don't for a moment, want to blame, as it were, pastors for uh, all the biblical illiteracy. But I do want pastors and preachers to own their responsibility to feed the flock and to shepherd Jesus' lambs by feeding them on a, a proper and full diet of His Word. That you know, that's what they're commissioned to do.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you, you've talked a little bit uh, so far about you know why our convictions of the Bible are so important. But but just to be clear, what why does it matter that our our convictions about the Bible? Um, are so important so that we preach sermons that are firmly rooted in Scripture itself.
0: Yeah, sure, sure. I mean, if we if we didn't have any strong conviction that the Bible was the Word of God, uh, we wouldn't bother spending so much time in it, really. It would it would be a strange thing to do to, to spend so much time in a book that was not the Word of God. And I think you probably see that in some churches that have, make no claim to being evangelical or committed to the Scriptures, uh, where sermons and, and teaching really have very little connection to the Scriptures. But the, the interesting thing is, you know, we, we might see a little too much of that sort of thing in churches that do believe that the Bible is the Word of God. So really, I I think our convictions drive our practice. Our convictions drive our practice. What we believe affects what we do, uh, and we need to have a firm conviction in our doctrine of Scripture, our doctrine of Revelation, uh, but that has to flow through into our practice of ministry. Uh, It it might be helpful as well to think about it in reverse. Uh, If you think about it in reverse, uh, that is, if you start with your ministry and... Uh, think about what it reveals of your conviction, uh, it can be quite sobering. Uh, so say you're in a church that chooses only to preach select parts of the Bible, you know, some favourite passages from the Gospels, certain parts of Paul's letters or so on. What that can end up communicating to people who come to church who are in the congregation is that somehow parts of the Bible are important, but parts of the Bible are not actually not that important. And in fact, whether or not we hear them doesn't matter and God is not too concerned that we pay attention to them. Now we would never say that out loud that's kind of a confronting thing to say but I wonder if it's what our practice says. I wonder if sometimes that's what our actions say. You know God wants you to know what he had to say through the Apostle Paul but God is not too concerned whether or not you hear what he has to say through the Chronicles. You know the Bible is uh, over a thousand pages long in most of our modern English translations and it's not by accident it's because God has a lot that he wants us to hear and he wants us to uh, he wants that the truths those pages to be worked into us and again thinking backwards if we don't model that in our preaching and teach that in our preaching people will pick up a view of the Bible that is uh, not consistent with our doctrine of scripture
1: which is you know kind of concerning yeah absolutely I, and and I appreciate I appreciate the the uh, particular points that you bring out about uh, the sermon diet for churches in that you're not uh, you even say in the book that you're not trying to give a prescription saying like you there's not a particular like although you do use an example of going through different portions of scripture but you're not saying like you have to necessarily do that you're saying that this is one way to do that but it depends on the setting which i I think is wise um but but just on that just on that point like you you, because you guys bring it up quite a bit in the book i'm just wondering like do you think that it could be distracting to to bounce say like you do uh genesis 1 through 11 or or first samuel uh 1 through 11 or, or Romans one through eleven, and then you you come back to those. Do you think that that could be really distracting for people uh, as as a preaching diet, or do you think that we should just go straight through a book and then be go move to the next? Yeah, no,
0: that's that's a good question, and and underlying that question is something that is a, a strong conviction that both Andrew and I have, and I, I think it comes out in this book that we wrote, which is when we preach and when we preach series of sermons, our goal really is to preach through the books of the Bible. So we're very uh, strongly convicted that God gave us the 66 books of the Bible in the form that they're in uh, because that's how he wanted us to hear them and that it really won't do to you know just say go to Matthew's gospel and pluck out the parables or go to you know um, exodus and and pluck out the big kind of miraculous moments God didn't just give us those things he gave us the whole book and those books have a beginning a middle and an end they follow either an argument or a narrative arc or a in the case of poetry they follow a certain rhythm and cadence and all that sort of stuff so that's the background to my answer Um, what that means is when you preach you need to preach through the books of the Bible from start to finish whether you do that in one block or over a kind of a series of series as it were like you said you might you know preach a few chapters of Romans go and preach something else come back to a few more chapters of Romans the next few go and preach something else come back to the next few chapters and so on Um, Look, I think that's going to be a judgment call and a wisdom call. I certainly have no particular objection to people preaching all the way through long books of the Bible. Um, if that uh, is something that you think you can sustain uh, by all means, I, again that's how God gave it to us um, If you do break and come back, you obviously need to recontextualize for the congregation. You need to uh, give them some links and help them to pick up on the big points of that have already been made and, and where you left off as it were but there's different ways to do it. I, I think that sometimes an, a kind of fun but useful illustration to use is imagine preaching through a book of the Bible, like watching a movie. Uh, what you don't do with a movie is just kind of fast forward to one scene, then jump over a whole big section and pluck out another scene. And, and that's it. And say, now I've seen the movie because you know, you haven't, um, but you could watch a movie in one sitting, you know, you could sit down for two hours or however long movies go for these days, watch the whole thing and get it. You could equally say, I'm going to watch the first half tonight and the first half tomorrow night. Uh, it, you know, something like that. Um, you, don't, you don't lose too much doing that. Um, but the main point is, in either case, you've seen the whole thing. You start at the beginning, you finished at the end, you haven't just taken random
1: snippets or grabs uh, on the way through. Yeah, that's that's really, I think, a, a wise answer. And again, I think that that reflects what you say in the book about it depends on the local context, which I, I think is, is, again, really, really wise. So really well said. Um, well, we often talk about biblical and systematic theology on this podcast, among other Things that we talk about, and I was particularly interested as I as I read your this book of the category of gospel as it pertains to, to preaching. Can you can you flesh that briefly out for us and and what that looks like in preaching?
0: Yeah, sure, sure. It harks back to that uh, project I mentioned to you before, uh, trying to do some more work on gospel theology. So uh, let me see if I can lay it out to you. Uh, we're of the view that the gospel of Jesus has a particular and fixed content. Um, the gospel is not a vague idea. Uh, it has particular and fixed content and the gospel is the message of the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. But it's not only um, the the gospel is not just uh, the statement of those events or those facts, but also those, those events, those facts, they have a meaning, they have a theology. So the death of Jesus, it, it really underlies, is the centre of our theology of atonement. The resurrection of Jesus sits at the centre of our eschatology and our, our ethics actually flows out of our eschatology as well Um, the fact that it's Jesus who died and rose is really important because the identity of Jesus as the incarnate Son of God uh, that's all our Christology and our Christology grounds our identity it grounds our worship it grounds our doctrine of revelation so we think the gospel has a fixed and particular content of the death and resurrection of Jesus, but that fixed and particular content taps into enormously big areas of Christian theology. Uh, And in fact, our contention is that the theology of the gospel encompasses the major theological categories of the whole Bible. Atonement, eschatology, Christology, all all worked through. Um, What that means is that every part of the Bible, if this is right, has a proper theological link to the gospel. And uh, part Part of a preacher's job is to properly discern the connection between the text that they're preaching and the, the gospel theology and demonstrate that connection and ultimately even drive back to the gospel message itself. Uh, what it means is that every sermon can and should be a, a gospel sermon, not because every sermon somehow leapfrogs to you know Romans 3 or something like that, um, but because the preacher should see how every text of the Bible ultimately connects to. To the theology that finds its climax and its pinnacle in the expression and the the events of the gospel. Uh, so, in in the book, actually, we have um, a few pages where we give some examples of this. Uh, but I, I hope that kind of pencil sketch gives you a sense of, of what we're meaning by that idea.
1: Yeah, I think that's really good. I think one of the most important things that people are, that are learning to preach is, is to understand how to take the t- how to take what you said, and then especially in like the application. To, to drive it home to take the to take the main point of the, the particular passage that you're preaching and then drive that home in a, in a gospel centered way you know centered on yeah. centered on Jesus I think that that is and that would be probably like one thing where I would I would love to see somebody flesh that out like in a book I don't see I haven't I've read a lot on preaching and I, I haven't seen somebody really necessarily just take that and drive it home if that makes sense yeah
0: and it's done you know it, it's obviously relatively easy from the New Testament because the New Testament is explicitly and directly explaining or reflecting on the events of a, or the person and the life of Jesus. It's it's more problematic in the Old Testament, and you have so many different competitors for Old Testament hermeneutics. People who think you come to Christ in this way or that way or the other way. So, what we're trying to say in gospel theology is not that the, the work of systematic theology or biblical theology or even you know straight historical critical exegesis is uh, not essential. But here is another layer, which is asking about these if you like, theological categories that we see in the gospel, if the, the, those categories, things that are borne out in even an Old Testament text, and that might provide a theological
1: connection back to the gospel. Yeah, I think that's good. How does uh, preaching expository sermons help congregants grow in their handling of the of the truth of the Scripture itself?
0: Yeah, sure. Uh, I mean, uh, we're big advocates of expository preaching, partly because we think that's how you, well, as the word suggests, that's how you expose the uh, what God has given to us to the people who are who are listening and how does it help people who are listening grow in their own handling of the word of God I mean I think the answer to that is modelling that is our practice teaches as much uh, if not more than our words so preachers need to teach the word they need to teach the scriptures to the people and, and exhort them from the scriptures but in that preaching they need to model to church members how to read books of the Bible with integrity um, how to respect the form of the text that's in front of them, how to respect the detail of the text and if a preacher, you know, um, say for example a preacher grabs just one verse out of context and then uh, goes on to talk about, you know some some fine things but that leave the that Bible passage behind or that don't seek to work through a passage of scripture, that's how people in the congregation will learn how to use the scriptures. They'll think, oh there's preachers are a lucky dip. You open them up, you find a verse, and then you jump off that verse to, you know, a hundred different side thoughts. Um, or if a preacher in their uh, church week by week um, moves from passage to passage, you know, so this week a passage from one Kings, next week a passage from the Psalms, now the week after a passage from, uh you know, the letter to the Hebrews, then that's what members of the church will think. Oh, the Bible is you just kind of dive in, read a chapter, and then leave that behind. Uh, but, so they'll they'll learn to treat the Bible the way the preacher treats the Bible. But if a preacher comes to the text and, you know, starts at the beginning of a a book, uh, gives the necessary and and relevant historical critical background, uh, and then moves through the the narrative or moves through the prophecy or moves through the the poetry or whatever it is from top to bottom in a sort of systematic and linear way, then the members of the church will think, oh, that's how you read the Bible. Uh, And and I think that's really important because, again, as I've already said, that's how God gave us the Bible. (laughs) So um, we we probably want to uh, respect that. That and uh help others to respect that
1: yeah that's that's really good and and i would just say you know preaching expository sermons helps people to also confront uh you know there's all sorts of error and you know we have the prosperity gospel we have bad uh theology and in worship songs that people confront and just in conversations it, it helps them to learn how to respond to those those things yeah what, what expository preaching
0: does that's so important is it prevents you uh from just focusing on the texts that you, you know well or that um, reinforce things that you particularly think are important. And uh, it, it means you can't avoid texts that, if you like, challenge your personal idols. Or that uh, confront things that you're not ready to confront um, if your preaching pattern is to preach a few verses jump over a chunk of text and then find the next verses that you think you know have some particular kind of resonance to you uh, what you're gonna do there is miss the section you've jumped over where God has something to say that might be a rebuke or it might be a great encouragement um, or it might be a lesson that you had never heard before um so that will that will mature us as believers uh, and' will We'll be able to deal with all those things you talk about. We'll recognise false gospels. We'll we'll be quick to detect things that are untrue in, in you know in the lyrics of our worship songs or whatever it might be. But when we just hop from favourite text to favourite text or text that we think says what we are hoping to say this week, we'll miss all that stuff, and uh, we'll potentially only end up reinforcing our own theological kind of um, preferences rather than letting God's word in its fullness uh, speak to us in a form us and make us who he wants us to be hmm.
1: very well said what are, what are the benefits of expository preaching for the pastor yeah well <laughs> it's interesting
0: i in some ways i think it's um I'm not sure this is a, a kind of an answer that's very flattering, but I think it's right. I think it's easier. <laughs> uh, I think it's easier. That is, uh, sometimes we have uh, in Australia, I'm, I suspect you have the same in the U.S., uh, what I call um, topical preaching, where rather than expositing a book of the Bible, you know, starting at the beginning and, and working through and all that sort of stuff, the topical um, sermon is where the preacher comes up with a topic, you know, something that is particularly current or particularly interesting, um, and then creates a sermon that seeks to address that topic. I just think that. It's profoundly hard work because really? first of all you've got to come up with a topic. Uh, so if this is your pattern, every week you've got to come up with a new topic. Your risk in that, of course, is bias that you'll come up with topics that you or your context or um, your culture uh, wants you to think about, rather than the topics that perhaps God wants you to think about. Uh, but then you've got to research every topic really carefully. You've got to think about how you're going to shape the sermon to best present this topic. When it's expository preaching. Uh, your topic is whatever is the topic of the next passage uh, after the one you preached last week. Um, and so that work is done for you because God is setting the agenda and uh, he is saying this is what's going to next be, what your congregation is next going to engage with. And I think it makes the preparation easier because when you preach through a book of the Bible, you kind of do a lot of work understanding that book, understanding its structure, uh, if you like, front-loading all that preparation. Uh, but then all of your sermons that are in that series benefit from that preparation you've Done. Uh, you don't have to start from scratch every single sermon, but you can kind of uh, you build up a momentum across the preaching series that, as it goes uh, out to the people of the church. But also, you you just have great uh, efficiencies because you have um, been able to do preparation for a lot of sermons together as you come to understand the book. Uh, the other thing, of course, benefits of expository preaching for a pastor is um, you grow. You grow. Uh, you know, you, people are well aware that you tend to learn best the things you teach and. Uh, you will grow in God's Word the more you preach more of it. If you preach the same sort of favourite text of Scripture uh, six or seven times, uh, that may have benefit for the people you're preaching to, but you're not going to grow much through that, uh, and you might even you know, come to treat it sort of very functionally. But if you are coming to new passages of Scripture week after week um, and working through books of the Bible uh, regularly and ongoingly, you're going to keep growing as a pastor and a preacher and a disciple of Jesus yourself, which is
1: wonderful. Wonderfully well said, brother that food well said. What 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 advice would you have to the pastor who they're, they're becoming convinced of the need to preach the whole counsel of God. Praise God for that, right? Um what should they how should they lead in that in their and their local church?
0: Yeah, sure. Uh, and I guess um if this has not been the habit of your church uh, and not in your own practice, uh, you know, there's a level at which, to use sort of corporate speak, uh, you, you're going to go through a process of, of change management, I guess. You're going to be having to explain to people why things are going to be different and why you're taking a different approach. Uh, and, you know, the first thing I want to say about that is you, you have to be pastoral um, and full of love and compassion. Uh, we, we have some wonderful saints in our church who've been worshipping with us for, you know, 50 years or 70 years, you know, long before we were born, they were members of this church. So to come and change, things up around them uh, is through no fault of theirs something that might be quite confronting so the first thing I want to say is we just need to love people sit with them talk with them help them understand we need to I think in all of this uh, not just preparing people for it but as we start this practice need to be really prepared to uh, see that we're probably going to encounter a whole lot of new pastoral issues that is as we start preaching different parts of the scriptures as we start uh, letting people um, sit under more and more of the word of God again if those thousand pages. Ages are there for a purpose, uh, we might expect that these new parts of the Scripture is going to say new things to people. So we need to be ready to be there for our people to help them as they digest this Word, as they uh, integrate it into their lives, as they maybe in some cases have to repent of things they've never been called to repent of before, um, maybe adopt new practices they've never adopted before, you know, have various sort of changes in their thinking. So, you know, in some cases it might be super exciting to be with people as they, they start um, encountering more of the Word of God, but it might bring... a lot of challenges as well and so you just need to be ready for that Um, and again that's the work of the pastor so I think uh, that's something we should all be prepared for and and I think maybe the other thing is to say in some ways the best way to help members of congregation embrace uh, this um, philosophy if you like of preaching uh, is just to do it, just to do it and I trust that as preachers work hard to prepare their sermons week by week and and, uh, sit under the word of God themselves and are, are growing in their own faith and understanding. Uh, and discipleship and that comes through in their sermons that people will actually see the benefit of it pretty quickly people will feel like uh, this is refreshing this is feeding me this is um, uh, this is a, a continued maturation for me in the Word of God and uh, so I, my hope is that just the very experience itself will will make people feel positive about it they'll, they'll respond well it'll be a positive experience
1: yeah that that's really good and and, and I guess uh, as a Bible study teacher one thing I did is um, I I would take have a time where I would take questions and I think that that's, oh, yeah. I think that that's just having the time maybe maybe not right i know some churches do that right after but maybe you just have a time where you know uh, outside the service or something where hey this is going to be a time where you can ask questions um and then having if you just have one of you preaching or whatever or several guys or whatever um have that be a time where people can ask questions I, i think that that goes a long way
0: yeah, of course. And again, I would say I'd agree with you hundred percent, and say that's just really part of the pastoral role. I obviously have a pretty high view of preaching, but I don't have the view that preaching is the the extent of what it means to to be involved in pastoral ministry. Um, I don't really have the view at all that if you're just preaching a lot, you're a good pastor. No, you need to be listening. You need to be engaging with people where they're at. You need to know the sheep by name. Um, as an under shepherd of Christ uh, and that will involve responding to
1: their questions, um, having Good opportunities to interact with them on a regular
0: basis. So yeah, I just agree with that all the way, and think it's implicit that as you are a, as Ephesians puts it, a pastor teacher, um, you need to teach, uh, but you need to also pastor, listen, be with the people, all that sort of stuff.
1: Very well said. Uh, where can people go to find out more about your work online, um, either on social media or otherwise?
0: Yeah, sure, sure. um uh, For this particular book we're talking about, I think probably the, the Crossway website would be a good uh, first port, a port of call. Um, Andrew and I are both uh, on social media, uh, Facebook. Uh, I'm on Twitter and Insta, uh, and our colleges where we work, which I, I think are listed on the back of the book or named on the back of the book. We have websites there too, um, and so uh, you could jump on there and, and see what's happening in our world through them.
1: Wonderful. We'll uh, we'll link to you on on social media when we when this goes up as well. So I'll I'll, I'll find you and here uh, after after we finish. Um, right. Well, Thank you. Mm-hmm, of course. Uh, so Tim, there's a lot you know that we could would dive into on this topic, as as you know. Um, Just as we wrap up this conversation, do you have any uh, takeaways for our listeners?
0: Yeah, look, I think the takeaways, perhaps I'd say uh, a a takeaway is it's totally mainstream, I think, for evangelicals to say that the whole Bible is the word of God. And I think it's totally mainstream for evangelicals to say that God uses the preaching of his word to build his church. So, So all we're really wanting to do in this book is to bring those two things together, bring together our full doctrine of scripture and our convictions about the importance of preaching. So to take away from that, if you believe the whole Bible is the Word of God, then uh, we want to suggest you should work to preach the whole Bible. Uh, Maybe another thing is to say you really need to to do a lot of planning if you're going to do this work. Long-range planning and preparation has got to be part of a preaching ministry. Uh, We haven't spoken about that uh, today, but I think it's implicit in the idea of preaching through the whole Bible. You can't just be working on next Sunday's sermon. Uh, You can't just be thinking about your current preaching series. You've got to think about what you're going to be doing over the next 12 to 24 months and how that all contributes to a a great balanced diet of scripture that you are feeding to the people uh, so that over time they grow in their understanding of the whole counsel of God. And now you might never actually reach that ultimate goal of having preached through the whole Bible, but you're going to gain far more than you lose by aiming for it. And the only way you're going to get there really is by lots and lots lots of planning. Um, And if I can just have one last one, I think probably the last takeaway, and we have spoken about this, is uh, we must respect the integrity of the Bible and the books of the Bible as written, so we need to respect the shape of them. We need to preach them from start to finish, chapter and verse, just as God gave them to us, uh, and let the books of the Bible uh, dictate our preaching patterns. Uh, I think that's they might be some things that I'd offer as uh, some takeaways.
1: Yeah, those are those are really good thoughts, brother. And I really have enjoyed this conversation. And I, I think that this uh, this book is is very helpful. So thank you so much for writing.
0: Uh, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. You're welcome. Bro.